0: this is the trophy room aka trophy room radio as always i am your post brett hammer it's wednesday hey coming up the dogs are national champions again but next season is championship or bust for them and it's for reasons you might not think plus the most elite coach in the nfl is getting none of the credit and won't win coach of the year but might take the lombardi home and Who's the best team in the playoffs, and spoiler alert, it's not my preseason pick with those Dirty Bird Eagles. As you can see, if you're watching this, we are doing lives. Now that the semester started, the school's worked out, we're going to try and do Monday, Wednesday lives in addition to the podcast getting uploaded, but like we said last, on Monday, if you listen to the podcast on Monday, Mondays are regular now, so Monday, Wednesday are regular, maybe at some point once we get this whole thing figured out, because there's a lot more to this than i would have figured maybe we'll get a friday show involved as well on the real though it is way too hard to buy quality graphic t-shirts these days like if you look it up on google all you get is these sketchy third-party products on ebay and etsy and none of it is real you're not sure if it's coming you don't know what the quality is like Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. They're changing the game. You see what I did there? Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase, you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players. They even have rappers and other shirts as well. If you head over to GameChangers.LA, not GameChangers.LA.com, but GameChangers.LA, you can use promo code HammerTime23. That's HammerTime23 with a capital H. No spaces. Hammer time two three, and you'll get ten dollars off every time. It's not just the first time. Anytime you want to go there and order a new dope graphic tee, you will get one with Game Changers ILA promo code H Hammer time twenty three. And also, if you have any issues, this isn't even part of the ad read, but their customer service is absolutely incredible. So I'm wearing the Calvin Johnson shirt right now. It has Calvin Johnson on the back as well. I love this one. I have a Jim Hertz shirt. Their customer service is incredible, which is why it's worth it to pay a little bit more. Cause yeah, it's it's an expensive shirt, but it's so high quality. And like even for Christmas, I accidentally ordered the wrong shirt, and like that night, I realized and said, "Hey, do you guys think that you could?" Um, this was a week before Christmas. I said, "Hey, do you guys think you could uh, switch the shirts out for me?" And the ones I wanted to switch out was a little bit more expensive. They didn't make me pay to change. And they expedited the shipping so they'd make sure it would get there for Christmas. Gamechangers.la, incredible customer service, incredible quality. Like, I'm not gassing them up. I sought them out because I loved their products so much. I said, please, can I do a partnership with you guys? They're incredible. So go to Gamechangers.la, buy a shirt, use promo code HAMMERTIME23. Incredible. Speaking of incredible products, as you know, we are sponsored by the good people over at Jim Candy Gummies. Go to gymcandygummies.com as well as their Instagram and TikTok at candy gummies. Go test out the product that is revolutionizing the free workout market. Also, go give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok if you're not already at bhammertime. If you're just listening to this podcast, go to at bhammertime, letter B, hammer time with two easy at the end instead of just one. Because I would love to hear from y'all if you guys have anything that you'd like to written me a new one about, about how wrong I am. I would love that as well. Okay, shout outs. Nike tech fleece, people. Look, it is expensive. I will not lie to you, Nike tech fleece. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I'm wearing the full gray, full zip up with the pants today. I know it's expensive, but it's 100% worth it. So go get, go get yourself some Nike tech fleece. Treat yourself a little bit. And then, yeah, other shout-outs, just Game Changers That LA. So happy to be able to partner with them. They make incredible products. This shirt is, like, it's incredibly high quality. It's super dope. I was missing Calvin Johnson before Christmas. I was like, dang it, I miss when CJ81 was in the league, just tearing people up, going triple coverage, just mothing people. And I miss him. And I said, I want to get a quality Calvin Johnson shirt. And I was looking, I was looking, I was looking, and you know how sometimes you'll be on TikTok or Instagram and you see an ad? And all of these things seem like scams, right? So I looked into it. I went to GameChangers.LA because it looked really cool. Their marketing was really good. And uh, I was definitely nervous when I ordered from them because you never know what you're going to get when you order from a TikTok or Instagram ad. And I was more than happy with what I got back from it. So GameChangers.LA Promo code Hammer Time twenty three with a capital H. If you have any issues with it, reach out to me. We'll get that all taken care of. Yes, it's expensive, but yes, it's worth it. Okay. So here's the deal, people. We have NFL playoffs starting on Saturday. We got wild card this weekend. We got divisional next weekend. We just had a less than overwhelming national championship. We have a lot to look forward to in these playoffs, because I do think every single one of these games is gonna be close. For the most part. And we're gonna get I'm gonna break all the matchups down for you. But before we do that, because we're gonna get to that, I'm so excited about the playoffs. Y'all have no idea. Saturday and Sunday, like, look, there I just don't think I know people love Sundays in the NFL, but I just don't think that there's anything better than football on a Saturday. And I know a lot of people work on Saturday, I get that, but there's just nothing that beats football on a Saturday. To me, like college or NFL. I love when the NFL puts their games on a Saturday when college football's over, it's 100% worth it. So we got football on Saturdays, people. But before we get into that, we got to get into my dogs. Go dogs, people! Like just, just get down on your knees, and just say "go dogs." Just give a big thank you to the man upstairs. Just go dogs. On the real though, I, I think we have a couple things to get in here. The only one of which that has to actually do with the national championship is. This actually came out after the national championship. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead and look it up. Definitely uh, NSFW or whatever it is. So Kirby Smart's pregame hype speech got leaked. And if you want an instant 30-second shot of adrenaline to run through a brick wall, go listen to that boy. Because Kirby Smart was not messing around when he came to play against TCU, and if you go and listen to that speech and then you look at the score, you say, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." So here's where TCU got a raw deal. You have to understand, and I, and I do think there are a lot of there are a lot of sports fans that can understand what I'm talking about. But I think sometimes the worst thing in the world you can do is be perennially perennially number two, because you're always being told you're great, just not good enough. And for the last 20 years, Georgia has been sitting on their knees, looking up and just praising Alabama, because that's the only choice that they've had. And every single time they thought they could squeeze that out against Alabama, they never could. And every single time they got so close, just the tiniest bit of, we almost have Alabama where we want them to. And then they lost it. And there comes so much suppression and pushing down that it's like a spring. You just get so tight. And Georgia got so tight. Kirby Smart got so wound up. And they had the defense last year. They didn't even have the defense this year. Like, let's be honest. They gave a lot of points. They gave points to Kent State, they gave points to Missouri. But they said, we're going to F around and win this thing anyway. Setson Bennett said, uh, he said, we kept trying to play games in hopes that we'd find someone good enough to play us, and we just couldn't. So we just ended the season. And I think that's an accurate way of looking at it. But TCU got the brunt of it because Georgia's been being told by Alabama, you're nowhere near us for 20 years. Everyone's saying, we want Alabama. We want Bama. Nobody's saying we want Georgia. And Curry Smart had to sit there in the enemy's foxhole over at Alabama, while he was a Georgia alum, just beating down on his alma mater. And for everyone to say this whole season, oh, well, well, Georgia gave up points to Mizzou, so they're not that good. Georgia gave up points to Kent State, so they're not that good. Uh, Yeah, definitely no way Georgia could beat Tennessee, because they're just not that good. Every single step of the way, Georgia was told they're not that good. And Kirby Smart said, buck that. And I feel bad for TCU. But there is a changing of the guard. The colors have shifted. Those signs that we used to see in the stands that were so classic and so iconic and used to piss me off so much that we want Bama signs, those are gone. Because I do think Bama is still probably the second or third best team, probably the second best team in all of college football. But I just feel like there's some spirit of a stranglehold that has shifted to now Georgia wears the crown. And, like, obviously they wear the crown because they won the Natty. But even more than that, they wear the mantra and the mantle of the national championship comes through us. And Georgia been disrespected for so long to the point where Kirby Smart was fed up with it. And that's why you saw in the third quarter. Georgia was blitzing when they were up by 50 points. They are bringing the house against Max Duggan. I feel bad for TCU, but TCU, unfortunately, got the brunt of Georgia being told they were overrated for the last two years. I do want to give TCU credit, though, because there's a lot of people looking at this game saying, this is so dumb, the committee is so stupid, we shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have done this. And my question to you is, if you don't want (laughs) TCU... Well, here's the first thing. Look, people are wrong sometimes. That's just a fact of the world. People are wrong. We get it wrong. We all make mistakes. It's not possible to pick the perfect playoff. There was a season, Alabama didn't even play for a conference championship. They got in. Didn't even play for a conference championship in 2017. Won the Natty. You can't guarantee who will be great in a matchup and who will not. There's no guarantees. You can predict, but there's no guarantees. And I hate when people say, oh, well, TCU never should have been there in the first place because they're not an SEC team. Look, nobody is more of an SEC homer than I am. But at some point, we can't just say, oh, well, you have the number two recruiting class from last year, so you get to be in the playoffs. The games have to mean something. I get that the average, the mediocre team in the SEC would absolutely rip the mediocre team or maybe one of the top tier teams in the Pac-12 or Big 12 but that's not how the world worked. Your games have to matter. And TCU did absolutely everything that was asked for them other than lose a conference championship. But before that, they did absolutely everything. So to hold TCU back from the national championship, look, they went out and beat Michigan, who this is why college football doesn't make any sense and that's why it's incredible because guess what? They went out and put up a 50 piece on Michigan. They dominated Michigan. Michigan dominated Ohio State. Ohio State, for all intents and purposes, dominated Georgia. You're right, Jackson. Pac-12 Conference of Champions. Yeah. Pac-12's a joke. TCU could have run amok on the Pac-12. Let's be honest about that. But the point I'm making to you is that there's no guarantee. It's not like if you beat someone that you were automatically better than every team that that team beat. Ohio State dominated Georgia. Michigan dominated Ohio state TCU dominated Michigan and Georgia dominated or Michigan or Georgia dominated TCU. That's just how the cycle of these things work. TCU did everything that was asked for them and the games have to matter. And they do. That's why TCU got there. It sucks that they got blown out. It sucks that it's statistically the lowest watched national championship of all time, but it just is what it is. But. This just goes to show we need a 12-team playoff. I don't understand the people. I, I just don't understand. If you also want to be one of the people who say TCU shouldn't have been there, and you also don't think the games matter, you just want to put people in regardless because you say, oh, well, Georgia gets to play Sanford twice a year, basically, or same with Alabama, or same with Michigan. I agree with you. The non-conference schedule from uh, Michigan, I think, was Colorado State and Hawaii. So don't, don't give me that. I agree with you. Those games don't matter. And you're upset that TCU didn't have the gall to take it on in the natty? Put in more games that matter. Scrap these cheeks games. Let's open it up. Because you and I both know, in the NFL playoffs, in the NFL, where... If you're the best team, you usually win. Even in the NFL, there's upsets. You can't just go chalk all the way because that many consecutive tough games are impo- near impossible to win unless you are the best of the best. Because I'd be willing to bet if Georgia had to play Ohio State the first round and then they had to play another tough game, I hate to say that, but they had to play Alabama the second round, Georgia prob- probably loses or at least plays another close game. It's just so hard to win that many consecutive games in a row. And the point I want to add to that is, that's why I said in the tease at the beginning, this whole Georgia back to back, if they want to go for a three-peat, they have to do it this year. Because I promise you the 12-team playoff might not make everything hardier, but it will sure as hell make everything crazier. We call it March Madness for a reason. And I get that basketball is different than football. But that many consecutive tough games are tough for anybody to win. And if Georgia wants to three-peat, the only way that they're going to do that is this year. Because I don't know that they could win another one when this 12-team playoff thing starts. And also, I just hope that the 12-team playoff just goes to show us that we need a 16-team playoff. And we need a 20-team playoff. Because as far as I'm concerned, like you guys have heard me chant from the high heavens bowl season is one of the dumbest traditions in all sports. One of the dumbest. We play how many games that literally mean nothing. You want to talk about the games don't matter. We play 40 something games that mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's fun to watch USC blow it to Tulane, but outside of that, these games literally mean nothing. And the guys you come to watch, they don't play, make them play in games that matter. Tell them they can play for a national championship. Because the whole reason the talent is concentrated right now is because you're basically telling kids, you can only play for a national championship if you attend one of five universities. Open that up. Tell them they could win a natty at other places. You'll open up the parity. You'll increase the talent level at every single school. And you'll increase the madness. Uh, This is my last hot take on college football before we get into these NFL playoffs. I think Max Duggan could be the best quarterback in this year's draft, and this is why. And it has nothing to do with talent. Because if it had to do with talent, then Justin Fields would have won a Super Bowl already. If it had to do with talent, Deshaun Watson would have won a Super Bowl already. Vince Young would have won a Super Bowl. It's not always about what your college-level talent is. A lot of life, unfortunately, I'm reading the book, or I just finished the book, Outliers. And one of the things that they highlight in this book, the Malcolm Gladwell highlights, is that life, we think that guys like Bill Gates, like that they just made it, that they did everything on their own, that they scraped everything together and they came from nothing. Every single person for the most part that you see as wildly successful, they had something go their way. They had a combination of things go their way. They talk about how um, because of the culture, in Korea, for the longest time, Korean Airlines crashed more planes than anybody else. There's always a reason for everything, and life is less about, it's not, it's not not about what you can do, but you have to have the right circumstances. There's a reason that Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and it has less to do with his arm and more to do with the fact that Andy Reid fits, fits his style of play perfectly makes him comfortable to do the things that he does and inspires him to work harder. And I don't know why I can't get this thing to stay up. This is crazy. My mic is moving all over the place on me. I think Max Duggan's going to be great for the same reason. Because you look at these guys who end up really successful in the NFL, Deshaun Watson fell, Patrick Mahomes fell. You don't More times than not, you don't get a Joe Burrow. Because look at Baker Mayfield. Look at Kyler Murray. These guys who go so high don't always fly so high when they get to the league, right? Because their situation sucks. Max Duggan is going to fall to probably bottom of the first round, middle of the second, maybe bottom of the second. Because, oh my word, what is going on with this thing? My mic keeps moving all over on me. Um, my goodness, people. I don't know what is going on with my mic today. Max Duggan's going to fall. And I'll tell you who can really use Max Duggan. Holy cow, my mic's about to fall off. I really apologize, people. I think best case scenario, and I know Utah people are going to hate me for this. Best case scenario, Max Duggan ends up in the, for the, playing for the Jets. Because what do the Jets need? D-tackles locked down. Linebackers locked down. A safety maybe. Corners are locked down. Maybe a receiver, because I don't know that you love Braxton Berrios being your second best option, but Gary Wilson is obviously a stud. They can run the football. Brees Hall is a stud. The only thing they're missing is quarterback. And for quarterback, you don't even have to be that good. But Max Duggan is the type of guy who will run through a brick wall. I think Josh Allen and Max Duggan have the same mentality. Might not keep always keep your quarterback healthy. But if we look at these teams that are running the Super Bowl, you don't have to be that great if the rest of the team around you is that good. And I'd be willing to argue that the only thing that held the Jets back from the playoffs this year was Zach Wilson and not having a consistent quarterback. Because you can't move a different guy into the quarterback position every single week and expect to win 10 games. They had a 500 season and they had no one at quarterback. It was Mike White one week, Joe Flacco one week, Chris Struggler one week, Zach Wilson one week. Cut the crap, go out, get Max Duggan. Cause Max Duggan is solid. He's an adult. He's been a starter in the in college football for three years. And that kid wants it more than anybody else in the world. Okay, college football's done. Now let's get to your playoff matchups. So here's your picture. Chiefs and Eagles both have a first round bye. The Bucs will play the Cowboys who played each other week one when the Bucks blew out the Cowboys, which is crazy because the season's kind of flip flop of for both those teams. The Giants will play the Vikings. The Seahawks play the 49ers. The Jaguars will play the Chargers. The Ravens will play the Bengals. And the Bills will play the Dolphins. Okay? So let's get into this. Bucks cowboys How's this thing going to go? So the Cowboys are one of the best teams in the league when it comes to passing, uh, rushing the quarterback. But... The Bucs have given up less sacks than anyone in the league. They've given up 22. The Cowboys are in the 50s as far as sacks go. But that pass rush has slowed down over the last three weeks. And Micah Parsons has been damn near invisible. Which makes this a really interesting game. Because the only way to throw off Tom Brady is to hit him. If you don't get to Tom Brady, you won't stop him. So it's going to be this hopefully elite pass rush versus this offensive line that we know doesn't give up sacks, okay? The issue is the Bucks have the one of the lowest scoring offenses in all of the NFL. In their last 17 games, so outside of the uh, 17 weeks, I apologize, their last 16 games, outside of the one against the Cowboys, they have zero wins by more than one possession. Zero wins. Every game except for the Buccane every game except for the Cowboys, there's only been a one position win. They've never blown anyone out or really made it deep against anybody that they've played. Okay. The hard part with the Bucks Cowboys is what? If there's two people who somehow find a way Tom Brady will somehow always find a way to win, especially in the playoffs, especially when it counts. You could also make the argument that Tom Brady's had enough turmoil in his life this year that maybe he's ready to just call it quits with the Bucks. But I don't know that Tom Brady's a quitter, so I don't think that that uh, argument holds any water. But then you go to the other side of it, Cowboys, somehow, someway, they will find a way to let you down. Always. Also, Dak Prescott, zero playoff wins since 2018. So what are you really banking on from this Cowboys team? Other than like the only thing you can be sure of is that they might give away this game. I'm not totally sure how this is going to go, but the Cowboys always do what you don't expect them to do. And I, I feel in my heart, like the Cowboys are supposed to choke this game away, but because I feel that way, I actually think the Cowboys will win this one. I think we'll get a rematch between Dallas and Philly. And I think, Jalen Hurts will say, hey, look, I know you beat my backup a couple weeks ago, but you weren't dealing with me. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles will make an NFC championship. Giants-Vikings. So the Vikings come into this game with a a lot to prove because I feel like for a lot of the season we said, oh, well, they're the second or third best team in the NFC statistically win-wise, but they don't always look that way. I feel like a lot of people don't respect them. People still don't respect Kirk Cousins, even though he's fourth in the NFL in pass yards. And I get that he has Justin Jefferson. But if you want to look at these, the Giants and the Vikings, they're very similar football teams, outside of the fact that of every team in the playoffs, the Giants are one of the worst in terms of total offense and scoring. They're the third worst. The only one worse than them. That was weird. I didn't know that you could even get a call while you were on Instagram live. Yeah, that's why everybody's freaking out. Oh, my word. Look, here's what we're going to do. Are we back? Sorry, for everyone on the podcast, the, the live was freaking yeah. out. I got a phone call. Okay, so the Vikings-Giants is very similar, except that the only team worse in the playoffs at offense in terms of running, passing, Scoring points, the only team that ranks lower than the Giants is the Ravens. And we'll get to the debacle that is the Baltimore Ravens here in a second. Kirk Cousins' top five in pass yards and passing touchdowns, leaving them with the better passing attack, especially when Cousins' is night and day difference between when he plays away and when he plays at home. Unfortunately, this game is in Minnesota. The other issue is this is an incredibly young Giants team with almost zero playoff experience that matters. And you have a first-year head coach. And Danny Dimes really has not shown you any ability to be big in the clutch. So Vikings should handle this one easy before they lose in the divisional round. Seahawks 49ers. Andy, our super fan, my Uncle Andy. As much as we love to gas the Seahawks on this show, I just don't think that, like, if you look at this schematically and matchup-wise, what each team does well and what each team gives up big... There's almost nothing that the Seahawks have over the 49ers. I'll give you the one piece here in a second. What do we know about the Shanahans? They can take my grandmother, they can take you, they can take me. They can put us at running back and probably get us 800 yards in a win or 80 yards in a win. That's just how the Shanahans roll. The 49ers, seventh in rush yards, Fifth in rushing touchdowns, and that is the biggest point of weakness for this Seattle defense. The interior of that D-line is one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL. So odds are the 49ers are going to run away with this. Also, Jimmy G news. Jimmy G likely won't be back. There was speculation he could be back to the playoffs. Likely, Jimmy G will not be back unless they make it to the AFC NFC Championship. Because right now, he's just putting pressure on that foot. So we've still got two or three more weeks before Jimmy G is going to be a full go. That being said, rookie quarterbacks in their first start in the NFL, as injury replacements, are 4-8 in the playoffs since 1976. So that being said, if the Seahawks can get pressure, and they're ninth best in the league in sacks right now, they could rock Mr. Irrelevant. I don't know if that happens because Kyle Shanahan makes everybody's job really easy. He knows what everybody does well. It allows them to maximize on that. But this could be the unfolding of Brock Purdy. We saw with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush was lighting it up for four or five weeks, eventually came apart. This could be the coming apart of Brock Purdy. We'll just have to see. But I think the 49ers take this game either way. There's just not enough on the other end of this Seahawks team. So there's your NFC. 49ers, Vikings, uh, Eagles, Cowboys. So Eagles play the Cowboys. Vikings play the 49ers. I think that would be a heck of a game. Then we have Jaguars Chargers, and if y'all know me, you know that I love to gas Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, to me, is criminally underrated, and I think he gets screwed because Brandon Saley is his head coach, which we'll get to here in a second. I'd like to say that the Chargers get the job done against the Jags, but I don't know that that's a guarantee. So far, Mike Williams has yet to practice this week, which means the Chargers will probably be down their best big threat. and. Trevor Lawrence is looking like he's a top ten quarterback in the league. Like, he's just so unfazed. We also don't know the status on Joey Bota. And if I had to bet, like, if we just spitball it, coaching wins and loses games in the playoffs. Brandon Staley is likely going to lose this game for the Chargers. I don't know how, but I just have the feeling that the Jaguars win this one out. The passing attack's crazy. Trevor Lawrence doesn't get rattled. He's coming into his own. So I'm picking the Jaguars to win this game. Then we have Ravens-Bengals. This has to be the biggest lock of any playoff game I've seen in the longest time. I get that defense wins playoff games. Defense wins championships. But that only happens if your offense can score points, which the Ravens can't do. Even when they had Lamar Jackson, they especially can't do it with Tyler Huntley, at quarterback. And guess what? Breaking news, this isn't breaking news, but my personal opinion, it doesn't look like Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson's coming back, and I promise you he's not. And and we'll get to that here in a little bit. I mean, Joey B, Joey Cool, he's going to absolutely sling it in these playoffs. I think he's going to make a run to an AFC title game. Nothing faces Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They're going to run through uh, Baltimore Ravens like butter. Bill's Dolphins, this one's also a lock because right now, if you look at Tua Tagovailoa's injury history this year, and look, I'm a Tua hater, but Tua should not come back and play football, they, like, they actively should not allow him to maybe ever play football again, but seriously never play football this season, because stepping out onto that field could probably ruin his life if he got a concussion again, and you know how angry the Bills are going to be, and we just don't need any kind of medical repeat like what we saw with Demar Hamlin. It's not worth it to put Tua uh, Tagovailoa out on that field. And if that's the case, there's no way that the Dolphins beat the Bills. The Bills are top 10 pass defense, top 5 rush defense. The last 6 games, Josh Allen is 12-3 and three touchdown to interception ratio. And they haven't lost a game since that thriller in Minnesota. I know everyone to fall off of the Bills after they lost back-to-back between Minnesota Vikings and the Jets. But to be honest, those are two of the best teams in the league. One of the maybe top three defense in the league and one of the best offenses in the league. And yeah, Josh Allen was struggling, but since then, he's cleaned it all up. And on top of that, they have incredible motivation I, Unfortunate at the cost but they do have incredible motivation coming from Demar Hamlin more Demar Hamlin guy kind of news coming out every single day we got some more today um so yeah there's your playoffs so you're going to have Bills Ravens or sorry Bills Bengals Jaguars and then Chiefs so the Chiefs will play the Jaguars the Bengals will play the Bills so we get a repeat It's going to be so fun. I'm so excited for the playoffs. so I cannot wait for Saturday. Let's go here, though. Lamar needs to walk away from the Ravens. And I've been saying this for a minute. And I had this take planned out yesterday before I even did the show today. But if we look at this, the worst breakups are the one, and not even breakups, but sometimes you'll go on a date with someone or a couple dates with someone and they tell you, oh, I'm just not ready for a relationship right now. I'm just trying to have fun. Like I don't have the emotional readiness to be in a relationship. I just want to focus on my career, want to focus on school, fine. That's true. A lot of people mean that. but A lot of people also lie about it just to not hurt your feelings. And for the longest time, the Ravens have kind of been dipping, ducking under saying why they won't pay Lamar. They're saying, oh, well, we, we just want to see you play the season out. We just want to see you be healthy. We just have to move the money around. They told you they don't want a serious relationship right now, but they have a lot of fun with you. Huh, that's funny. Because they just gave Roquan Smith a $100 million contract. So all that talk about, well, we have to figure out the money. We have to find out if you can be healthy. We, just, we do really like you. We just have to find out. What we really want. They're obviously willing to commit to Roquan Smith. And I get that Roquan Smith holds the defense up. But without Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, you have no offense. And what I mean to say in all this, this is less of a take about Lamar Jackson, more of a take about the Ravens. And, funny enough, about the Titans. The Ravens are number seven in attempts, rush attempts. And number two in rush yards. They have the ninth worst scoring offense. They're the third lowest in pass yards, even though they're fifth in attempts. Fifth lowest in attempts. If you look at the way that the NFL is designed, the NFL is not designed for you to pass the foot or to you to run the football. And nearly every statistical category that you look at, run rushing the football, they're right next to the Titans, because both of these teams use the pass solely to open up the run game which if you look at their win totals and how they're scraping into the playoffs and how they have a plethora of running backs injured every single year and Lamar is injured every single year, even though he's not as injured as the media would like you to believe, this team's not designed to play football in 2023. That's why they're right next to the Titans in every statistical category. They just lucked out a little bit because they actually have a quarterback. Of course, who runs the football? The weird thing about the Titans is they basically only have ten guys on offense because while Ryan Tannehill is athletic, he's not Lamar Jackson. And if it was so easy to rush like Josh Allen, then why doesn't everybody do it? The Bills are a perfect example. I bet you didn't know. The Bills are top five in yards, rush yards, top five in yards for carry. That's because they really do use the run solely to open up the pass, And once you drop everybody back, the bills just lighted up with Devin Singletary and James cook. And then Josh Allen's an 800 yard rusher. It's possible to be successful running the football. It is totally possible, but it cannot be your primary method of making money. And for the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans, it is. And so you look at Lamar Jackson, you say, dude, The Baltimore Ravens have lied to you, saying they're trying to figure out the money, they're trying to figure out if they want to make a commitment to you, and then they go and pay Roquan Smith behind your back. Sometimes what you want isn't always what's best for you. And yes, Lamar Jackson was incredibly talented at running the football in college. But that's because he got quarterback scrambles a lot of the time. It was the pass to open up the run. The pass opened up the run, but they weren't using it to open up the run. It just happened to. So Lamar Jackson's gonna be free agent this year, and he needs to walk because the offense that's designed for Lamar Jackson is not putting Lamar Jackson in an optimal position. Who's the best team in the playoffs? Let's think about that for a second. We just went through, we did all the matchups. I think it's safe to say that the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the playoffs. You watch the way what they they played with their food against the Raiders on Saturday. You see the things that that uh, Patrick Mahomes is able to do. They're definitely the best team. They also have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Worst defenses of any team in the playoffs where they get saved though is that chris jones is probably the second best defense player of the year this year so their pass rush gets home makes it so that the the secondary doesn't have to be in coverage as long as maybe they would be otherwise the chiefs are the best team in the nfl the funny thing about the chiefs is though Because we watch the Chiefs and we just see the way they light it up, especially without Tyreek Hill, the way everyone always seems to be open, the way Patrick Mahomes seems to be unsackable. Go look at their wins. They don't blow that many teams out. And they give up a lot of points. They struggled with the Broncos this year. A Broncos team that pretty much everyone beat. They struggled with them. So the Chiefs are the best team in the playoffs. And I think the Chiefs will probably win the AFC because I just think, in the same way that Bama had Georgia's number, I think the Chiefs still have the Bills' number. But again, like that that cycle we talked about, the Bengals have the Chiefs' number, so that could make things really interesting. But if we're going to talk about who's the best team in the NFL, the best team in the playoffs, we also have to talk about who the scariest team in the playoffs is, and the scariest team in the playoffs right now is the Buffalo Bills. Like I told you earlier. They haven't lost a game since early November. And that was game of the year against the Vikings. Absolutely incredible game. Justin Jefferson was unguardable. They do have to play Justin Jefferson again. And as much as we love the Chiefs, they don't have Justin Jefferson. Now the Bengals do. They have Jamar Chase. Charles Kelsey is a different breed. But the Buffalo Bills, if you want to go into the playoffs, we talked about this earlier with the 12 team playoff. Every game is consecutively hard. You get no breaks, you get no days off, you get no bye week. The Bills found their second win. They found the extra motivation. So, every, like, I mean, you saw they were scoring two touchdowns on special teams against the Patriots last week. The Bills are coming in stride at the right time. They got the junk out of their system in those losses against the Patri- uh, the Jets and the Vikings, and they're ready to roll into the playoffs. And if they have to play the Chiefs, they'll get a neutral side game. The Bills are the scariest team. Like I told you earlier, they're top five in rush yards and yards per carry. And Josh Allen is an 800-yard rusher. James Cook's coming into his own. Devin Singletary's over 700 yards this year. And then, oh, yeah, Stephon Diggs is in the game. Taylor da- uh Gabe Davis is in the game. They re-signed Cole Beasley. I really like this. The Bills might not be the best team in the playoffs, but they are the scariest and the most dangerous because they're junkyard dogs. Their backs are against the wall. They have nothing to lose. They went through an emotional tragedy. So at this point, if they fall out, we wouldn't hold it against them. We would say, you know what? It's hard to be focused. They are playing with house money. I believe the Buffalo Bills are. And I think they're going to win one, maybe two games. I hope we get an Eagles, Bills, Super Bowl. I don't know that we will. But it would be really cool. It just seems like that's how the universe has been working recently. That good things just happen. And I could really see the Bills messing around. And taking this tragedy, using it as fuel, and going into a Super Bowl, which would be so dope. Especially given all the crap people are giving Josh Allen this year, which I don't even understand. You want to talk about who's having a bad year? Look at Aaron Rodgers, the man who stole his MVP last year. This is just a quick little take. It's Super Bowl or bust. Or maybe not Super Bowl or bust, but it's AFC Championship or bust for the Los Angeles Chargers and less for the Los Angeles Chargers and more for Brandon Staley, because this is the second time now that Brandon Staley has not only not won a situation for them, but lost the situation for them last season week 18. All the Chargers had to do was run the clock out. They would have tied the Raiders and they would have made the playoffs, right? Right. Well, Brandon Saley decides to overcompensate a little bit, calls a timeout, the Chargers go down, win the game. Or Raiders go down and win the game. After Justin Herbert went God mode just to keep them in it. Then, week 18, nothing to go for, and Brandon Saley decides to play Mike Williams, getting him hurt, and we don't know that he's going to play this weekend. Maybe the most unstoppable big threat in the NFL right now. If I told you that Bill Belichick, and maybe Bill Belichick's a bad example, but insert your favorite defensive head coach, I told you that they would get Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr. Obviously, J.C. Jackson has potential, because Bill Belichick was able to make him a defensive player of the year candidate. Absolute stud, lockdown corner, best in the league, and now Brandon Staley can't use any of these guys. Explain that to me. If, if, if Andy Reid, maybe not Andy Reid. If Sean McVay had Travis Kelsey, he had uh, Stephon Diggs, he had Justin Herbert, or Patrick Mahomes, or Joe Burrow and he wasn't able to use them, we would say Andy Reid is a failure. Zach Taylor in Cincinnati only has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, pretty much nothing else on that offense, and they went to a Super Bowl. Brandon Staley is a failure as a head coach. Failure. To have the amount of studs that Brandon Saley has on his offense and defense and do anything short of an AFC championship, I get that you're in the same division as the Chiefs. That's fine. Losing to the Chiefs divisionally is fine. But Brandon Staley is the reason that people want to say Justin Herbert's overrated. He's underrated, wildly underrated. Things the social media quarterback just goes to show you don't know anything about sports and you just listen to Emmanuel Ocho to give you your opinions. Brandon Staley is blowing games for the Chargers. You watch his play calling. You watch what he allows the offense to do. If any other coach had this roster, if any other coach had Austin Eckler, Justin Herber, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson. And did anything other than an AFC Championship game, we would say you're a failure. There's, that's why there's talk of Brandon Saley getting fired, and he should get fired. He's a failure as a head coach. Failure. I'm not talking about just, he's just okay, wasn't good enough to win games. Like, I put him and Lovey Smith in the same category. And actually, I think Lovey Smith gets more fight out of his team than than um, then, then Brandon Staley does out of his. I don't think the guys fight for him. I don't think he motivates these guys. I think Brandon Saley's a failure as a head coach in the NFL, and I hope he loses his job. Or it just goes back to being a defensive coordinator, except not even that, because he can't use four of the best defensive players in the league coming into this season. Ridiculous. Someone explain this to me. How is it that every year, like I genuinely don't understand, my car breaks down, I think the world is over, how is it that every year, and keep in mind, the Cowboys haven't even won a Super Bowl, what, like 30 years, they haven't even been relevant, really, for 20. How is it the Cowboys every single year convince themselves that they're a Super Bowl team? Someone explain that to me, because I really don't understand. If you are a pessimist, and you're trying to increase your positivity and optimism, go spend time with the Cowboys fan, because whatever fountain of youth they're drinking from, whatever, whatever they're whiffing, the Cowboys have somehow figured out. I, like, I don't even understand. Like, this is kind of a joke of a take, but on the real, explain it to me. If you're Alabama, I understand. That's how, you under, that's how you believe you'll go to a national championship every year because you do. Cowboys haven't even won a playoff game in five years. And somehow every single year they're like, oh yeah, this is our year. Who gave you that impression? Dak Prescott's probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL and definitely the most overpaid. Hasn't won you a playoff game since 2018. Blew a playoff game last year. Explain to me what Cowboys fans see every year. Or is it just a a mirage that makes you feel better because you know that your team actually sucks deep down and therefore you're not sticking around? You're just like, well, I I, I don't want to admit to myself that we suck, so I'm just going to lie to myself that we're going to win a Super Bowl. Because, look, I like CeeDee Lamb. Cedar Lamb's okay. Zeke's overrated. Micah Parsons' incredible. But this isn't a Super Bowl team. It's just really easy to win the NFC East, especially when everyone else in the NFL has a down year. Um, Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year. And it's not close. He's not going to win it, though, which is a bummer. But if I told you, the 49ers, I told you at the beginning of the season, they're going to lose their starting quarterback. They're going to lose their backup quarterback. They're only going to lose four games. And they're going to have one of the best offenses in the league. You would tell me I was crazy or that they only ran the football, neither of which are true. Well, I might be crazy. Yeah, they're on a 10-game win streak, by the way. And they're 8-1 and one at home. They've lost one game at home this season. Granted, their division's really easy, but still, if I told you the Buccaneers or the Eagles or the Vikings, I said, you're going to be in your third-string quarterback and you're going to be the second-best team in your conference, maybe the third-best team in the entire league, you'd say no way. That's how good Kyle Shanahan is. Kyle Shanahan takes guys like Jeff Wilson, guys who sound like they are white, and makes them incredible thousand-yard running backs. Kyle Shanahan can make anything work. The most successful people in life, somehow, way, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it, but the most successful people in life find the best way to get the best out of everyone around them. There's a reason Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft. And don't tell me it's because people slept on him. I hate this idea that only one person deserves credit. Guess what? Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both received credit for what happened in New England. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they both needed each other. Because Andy Reid could get to conference championships a couple when he had Donovan uh, Donovan Mitt. Why am I not remembering Donovan, Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb made a Tennessee championship game. Maybe made it to the Super Bowl. Can't remember. Both need to receive credit. I'd be willing to argue that in this case, because people always want to give the players credit, I'd be willing to argue in this situation that Kyle Shanahan deserves all the credit. I'm not even sold on Brock Purdy. Because I'll look at you and say, "Kay." Cooper Rush had a pretty similar stat line. Not to say that Brock Purdy's not good, because Brock Purdy's an adult and he's smart, which those two things will get you very far in the NFL. But let's not act like he's winning independently of having the best coach in the league. He's not going to win Coach of the Year because he has. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, that was really unfortunate. I just realized that I have a time limit on Instagram live. I have a screen time, so the live is ended. That's really funny. I have a screen time limit on Instagram, so I don't scroll through it all day, which has actually been really good about it, which is why I forgot that I even had a limit. And uh, in the middle of the live, it crapped out because it said I went over my time limit, which is fun. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was. But Kyle Shanahan's coach of the year. He won't win it because he has Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Like he won't win it because he has too many all-stars, but he's definitely one of the best coaches in the league. Sorry, not one of the best coaches. He's the best coach in the league. We'll finish out with this. Who's to blame in Arizona? So if you haven't seen, kind of a weird situation. The Cardinals go ahead and sign Cliff Kingsbury to an extension. They also re-signed Kyler Murray to make one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And then they go ahead and fire Cliff Kingsbury. Which I can't say surprises me, but it it's disappointing because in terms of win-loss, I don't know. I think it's definitely close on who's to blame. I don't think Cliffs Kingsbury is that good of a coach. But I do think he tried really, really hard to work with Kyler. And when Kyler doesn't get what he wants, Kyler throws a tantrum. There's plenty of blame to go around. This team has, I don't remember a football team that has had zero identity. Like such a lack of identity. Than the San Francisco 49ers. But this has everything to do with money, and not necessarily money when you talk about Kyler's contract, even though it does. But more so tickets, because unfortunately, head coach doesn't head coaches don't sell season tickets. Players who make highlights do, and Kyler Murray is one of those players. When they were ten and two last season, and he looked like the MVP, he was selling tickets. Who's making the Cardinals relevant? The issue is that because of Kyler's contract, they're going to be stuck in this purgatory. They're not going to be able to succeed. They're not going to be able to increase. Because they're not going to be able to pay anybody else. You're paying D Hop a lot. You're paying Kyler Marie a lot. JJ Watt doesn't even want to play here anymore. And besides that, who do you have? James Conner? Eh. You don't have a head coach anymore. And if this was just that Kyler Murray didn't like Cliff Kingsbury, that'd be one thing. But we keep talking about this. This is Kyler Murray's fault. He keeps throwing a tantrum anytime something doesn't go his way. I'm sure you guys have kids like this. It's not the situation. It's the person in the situation. Every single time, somehow Kyler Murray finds a way to make this everyone else's fault. Yells at the coach on the sidelines. Is up late playing Call of Duty the night before big games. This team has no identity, has no money, and it seems like no one big time wants to play here. They fired the right guy to sell tickets. But until Kyler Murray, till his contract goes, till they get a better culture here, that's the other thing. Cliff Kingsbury was too young, I think, to set the culture that need to be set. They didn't have enough adults in the locker room. Sean McVay was fine because you had enough adults in the locker room, and Sean McVay was great at managing those personalities. Cliff Kingsbury is too young, and therefore, till that culture changes, Cardinals aren't changing. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. If you were watching the live and you came here to finish up the rest of the show, I really appreciate it. That was dope. Thank you so much for being here. So excited for the NFL playoffs we got coming up. This weekend enjoy. We'll be back on Monday. Again, go to gamechangers.la. Use most promo code Capital H HammerTime23. And we'll see you on Monday. Whoa.